Hey, everybody, welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out all the very many things that we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking all things sauna with the guy who actually describes himself. I have the photo to prove it as the sauna shaman. So that's impressive sounding. But before he was the sauna shaman, Matt Sturbins was a pro skier who went on to found Forefront Skis back in 2002. And then a few years ago, Matt founded Wonder Alpine, a company focused on finding more sustainable ways and more sustainable materials with which to build skis. Now, diehard listeners to our various Blister podcasts and viewers of some of our past Blister Summit brand lineups will have heard me talk to Matt about his love of tea, you know, a proper craft topic. But recently, I got a text from Matt saying that we needed to talk about saunas, and I had no idea why. But Matt said, this is just like my obsession with coffee, and we needed to do a sauna episode, and that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to this present moment. So in this conversation, you're going to learn that Matt, in fact, has gone deep down the sauna rabbit hole. You're going to hear how it was, in fact, Poji that got Matt into saunas. And then Matt goes on to provide a pretty remarkable overview of the culture of saunas, some of the health benefits, how adopting a regular sauna practice has really helped his own health, and he'll explain some of the personal benefits that he has found. And then Matt walks us through what it's like to build your own sauna, what it costs, how to go about it, some best practices in these regards. And I don't know, it seems like maybe Matt actually has earned the title sauna shaman. Now, just one more thing to say here, folks. Uh, For all of you grammar fiends out there, we've got one very big question for you in this episode. Perspirate or perspire? Listen to the conversation, and then we're going to need you to weigh in here. And now, with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Matt Sturbins. Here we go. All right. I am here with Matt Sturbins, who sent me a text message a while ago saying that we needed to discuss saunas. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is really all that I know. I I did ask Matt, like, you are into saunas, you're passionate about this, you know some things, and he answered emphatically yes to all of the above. So I guess today we are here to talk about I don't know, the art and the craftsmanship around saunas. How am I doing so far, Matt? I think you're doing really well. Your curiosity, I think, is first step. Okay. You know? I also see that you have dubbed yourself sauna shaman. Um, Wow. So you're really feeling yourself on this topic at the moment. Uh, Well, it asked for a name when I logged into the pod, so I was like, I needed to set the the vibe, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, apparently we are really fortunate to be in your presence 
today uh, talking about saunas with the sauna shaman. So yeah. um, Thank you. maybe the first question is, why are we talking about saunas or how did you get obsessed with saunas? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Jonathan. This has been a topic that has uh, certainly been swirling of curiosity in my adult life for some time. Um, you know, to your point, when did I learn, kind of get exposed to this, this, you know, mode of wellness? And it really started with uh, my journey into the backcountry with some backcountry hut lodge skiing, um, you know, and being introduced to sauna through no other than Hoji, um, huh. joining him out at Golden Alpine. And I was, he's just like, yeah, we're going to hit sauna. I was like, oh, like, I don't really do sauna. More like a hot tub guy, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no, we sauna. Like, I was like, okay, cool. So I'll see you out there. And uh, it was like a cage match. He like kind of like like barricaded the door and was like, nobody's getting out of here until it's just blue hot. Like that stovepipe's going to be ripping. And then we'll pour out of here and then drag ourselves through the snow. And, and then we'll come back in and bathe. And this will be our you know, a way in which we're able to kind of recuperate. And, you know, we're in, we're in the woods for, you know, five to seven days on end ski touring, you know, um, imperially maybe 5,000 feet a day. And so to keep up with that regiment, uh, you really do need to find some form of recuperation and, and wellness. And, and the sauna kind of caught me by surprise at how effective it was. Huh. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I naturally, um, I think as backcountry skiers, we all have a natural attraction to some type two fun and you know sauna allows for you to kind of push into an extreme experience where you're like i can't take the heat anymore and then or if you go and like submerge yourself in snow like we were like i can't take the cold anymore and you know it's it's there's entertainment in that and kind of pushing yourself um but then you see this like pretty significant health consequence and um the benefit of that kept me on my skis all week um and then i would start to look forward to the sauna and I was actually able to start doing some cat skiing out of Chatter and push that crew towards sauna, um, which I don't know if you knew this, but Chatter has a hot tub, which is pretty dope <laughs> considering how deep you are in the woods uh -huh. um, at their lodge. But yeah, they had a sauna and it was kind of neglected. And I turned that on to that posse for that same reason. Like, let's, let's not just sit around in a tub and talk about the day, but let's like actually put our body through some, you know, some wellness. And um, yeah, I, I, I got turned on to it through that, that type of skiing. And I was spending some time in Pemberton. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was in the summertime or what, but like Adma and Kai both have like these like subterranean little sauna houses in their backyard. Um, that backs up to like, you know, some, some Pemberton wilderness. And I was like, well, that's pretty dope. And while there may not be snow year round, there is this like relief of this river. And I was like, oh, that's the ticket. And like, oh, Emma's like, oh, yeah, I like, got this like really dope like waterfall and walks me out there. He's got like a bar of soap on a rock. And I'm like, oh, I see how this goes. This is pretty sick, you know? And it was something I think I've, I, th I thought about like, well, if I could ever find a home that had that type of scenario, it'd be fun to build out and make that part of my, my routine as I get older and want to continue to be active. So um, I've been able to manifest that reality and. I've been trying to preach to other people to kind of take the sauna thing seriously because I've seen some awesome, some benefits from it. And I've been like way intrigued to it, you know, just because I kind of discovered it through this organic way. Uh, I wasn't raised in a sauna environment, you know, as a, as a child, our home never had a sauna, that type of thing. So wait, when was this trip with Hoji? 
it's mm, a good question. I mean, this is like the early teens, you know, maybe oh. like not yeah, like, like two 13, years ago, 14. No, no, no. Like kind of like once like ski boots started to really work in the backcountry, I started taking it more seriously. I didn't get into backcountry skiing until there was like a pretty legitimate ski yeah. boot for it. And, you know, just locking toes and just kind of overriding the the mountaineering binding interface. And then obviously that's caught up. So yeah, I'd say like early teens and, um, you know, working with Eric and all that throughout the years, we, we would always make a visit or two out there. And yeah, I always, I always thought, you know, someday I'm going to build my own sauna, bring this little bit of the back country home with me to Salt Lake city, you know, and now I have, it. it's been about, a, it's been about a year or so since I've been in it, but huh. it was on the mind since like 19 or so. I started putting the kind of groundwork, literally the groundwork in place in the 19 and just finally got it up and running in January last year. Okay. Let's define some terms or what we are talking about here and what we're not. Sure. We're not talking about like infrared saunas. We're talking about what type of sauna? The infrared sauna, I have very little experience with. It's a lower temperature Obviously, like radiates into the body, provides a healing mechanism, and there's different modes in which I understand you can set them at for different types of wellness. I'm exposed. My initial exposure was really just like a wood burning stove in a small room, you know, and a, a, maybe cedar lined the interior um, just for its, you know, microbial characteristic. Um, it could have been dug for, for all I know. It was just a little wooden room, you know, kind of on some blocks plywood subfloor holes drilled through the subfloor every odd like 16 24 inches as water could drain because you would essentially heat up the stove um and then you'd have a large kettle on the stove with a with a some type of valve pour spout and then you'd have the water that you're bringing in from the alpine lake nearby which provides all the hydro for the hot for the for the lodge and so you bring in buckets of cold lake water and then you know you eloquat that with the hot water on the on the stove get a nice like you know warm bath and then you just you know bathe yourself inside the sauna over that floor with the holes and uh, and that's just kind of the shower right and that's that's kind of how we do it so the wood burning stove is obviously something that is um of desire when you have the right environment for it and um you know if you want you can obviously splash some water or some snow onto the stove and create a bit of humidity um as that's definitely a function of the sauna as well um, and then with like an electric stove, for example, you can have like, you know, basalt rock that kind of cradles into the top of the sauna and that allows for some like rapid evaporation of water as well. So depending on, on, you know, your, your setup, if you want to go infrared, infrared's more like in the home, uh, you can have small, very intimate, almost like a little sauna closet that works really well for, for infrared. Uh, also in your garage, you can set those up in. And they don't like need like a dramatically like a strong amount of power either because they're, they're quite efficient in that respect. But if you want to go with the more conventional, you know, wet sauna or even like wet dry sauna, traditional, uh, you're going to need to pull like the equivalent of like a dryer vent, a, a dryer worth of power to it. And so you need a little bit of excess amperage um, and you probably need to pull 240 or whatever it is in the U.S. to get that heater up to the, the optimum function. So and then a room dedicated to it with some draft. Yep. So I'm a big fan of the outdoor, uh, like traditional sauna or like what would be like a finished like bathhouse uh-huh. um, to bring it all the way back to kind of the, the, the core of the, of the wellness, if you will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about the benefits here. What am I supposed to get out of this? 
because I got to go build something in my backyard now or something like that. So convince me of why I need to add this to everything else I've got going on in my life. (laughs) Well, from what I know of you, I think having a mechanism like this that puts um, your body physically into a different environment I think is really stimulating and and beneficial for your mind and your health, right? You can continue to think and process ideas as I know, you know, you're, you're constantly running with ideas and, and things, but it's good to physically put yourself in a different environment. And sometimes that can aid to some more clarity in your thought process. So, um, a lot of people ask questions like, what do you do in a sauna? You know, like, what am I supposed to like meditate? Am I listening to podcasts? Like what's the vibe? I mean, I obviously, you know, just like the backcountry, the buddy system works really well in the sauna. <laughs> uh, if you can get somebody who, you know, who enjoys that, that kind of wellness, that therapy, um, conversations can get really interesting as your body like comes to, to temperature. Um, I think you can like, you can definitely like elevate your core temp by, you know, a significant amount of degrees, um, within, within health range. And I think that helps stimulate some interesting thought process, but music, even silence, Reading is a bit challenged in a sauna just due to the dim light nature of it. Not all saunas are that dim, but some are. Um, but yeah, I think I think there is obviously um, a lot of benefits to the wellness side of it. Uh, for certain, skin is a huge beneficiary of the sauna experience. Um, and I, I speak to that through the lens of having um, kind of like seasonal bouts with eczema. Hmm. I would get these dry pat, uh, patches on my shoulders, hmm. um, sometimes on my face. Um, not, not terrible, you know, but it would definitely require like a fair bit of like maintenance. I'd have to always have some type of skin lube, um, just to, just to kind of address that. And it would definitely be much more in the winter time. It turns out like vitamin D is a really good cure for eczema, just getting some sun. Um, but, uh, in the winter time, obviously that's difficult to do. We're always under layers of clothing. So I've been habitual for about a year now where I'm about four days a week and typically no less than 30 minutes. Sometimes I can get an hour, but I break that hour up with a cold plunge and, and we can get to that too. Cause there's a whole nother side of, of wellness that comes with the hot cold therapy. When we're, when we're talking specifically about sauna, skin has been a huge beneficiary. Hmm. I've seen massive results with my skin, softness, tightness, and, and I've been able to almost eradicate that eczema, which is really cool. And I know a lot of winter sport athletes are, are challenged with skin condition just because we're always in the, in the cold and we get chapped. Muscles, obviously, you know, just, just driving that circulatory system, your muscles go through a lot and we see a huge response from that. And I think that speaks back to the backcountry when I was first going through the, the introduction of sauna, just because of the circulation that, that comes with it. It's, it's unreal. I've, I've, I've obviously listened to a lot of podcasts around it. Um, one talking point that caught my attention was the sauna triggers a false fever, huh? which you wouldn't think about, but like how does the body like all of a sudden start to perspirate, you know, and it's pretty rapid perspiration. And, and something too is like the more often you sauna, the, the more rapid you perspirate, which is pretty interesting. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's, that's kind of sick, you know, um, won't take me a whole lot of exposure to start sweating, to feel like it's doing something. And, you know, you find that temperature where you feel comfortable and then your body responds pretty quickly. And I thought maybe this would just be an isolated thing to sauna. I would just respond more quickly, the more frequently I would use it. And then last Last May, I was uh, climbing and skiing Mount Baker, and we, you know, we made a, a pretty significant push day one, almost to the, to the to the edge of the crater. And 
I was, I mean, I was a salted cod. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I've never been a sweater in my whole life. Huh. And I am just like coming unglued. Huh. <laughs> like the chest strap of my, of my backpack, the sternum strap was like, had like salt rings on it, you know? Oh and I was like, God. I don't know how to do with this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And I've, I've seen other people sweat like that, you know? Um, but I've never really perspirated like that. Is perspirate a word or is perspire a word? Shaman, sauna shaman. Mm -hmm. I feel like you should know the answer to this. I don't know that I've ever heard the word perspirate. Perspire, yeah. yes. Yeah. Perspire, perspirate. Hmm. Nevertheless, I was sweating out big time on that climb. And it had been about five months since I started to really, um, you know, find my, my routine with sauna. So um, that was a pretty interesting discovery. Uh, and telling sign that things had changed for me, you know, metabolically, mm -hmm. I guess, attribute that to. Um, so, you know, beyond the false fever um, and the sweating and all that, it does, in, in theory, then build immunity, right? Because mm -hmm. essentially, like, the mm -hmm. fever is a reaction that your body is undertaking to try to protect itself. And and as I, I'm, not a, I'm not a, you know, a doctor, we should phone a friend here um, to talk about all the benefits of a fever, but... Um, you know, knock on wood, I have like been like really steady mm. in terms of my health, um, since I started with sauna. And if you subscribe to the false fever and the nature that essentially triggering a false fever that frequently, you would believe that you'd build up pretty incredible immunity, you know? And so any type of uh, airborne virus or something that you may come in contact with, your body is like ready to defend. And so I think that's a pretty cool consequence as well, or, or benefit that comes out as a result of, of sauna. Clearly detoxification, right? Just getting a good detox in, it flushes a lot of toxins and impurities uh, through your skin. Obviously, we all know of that to be the case with sauna, but that's something not to be overlooked. There is like a lot of cardiovascular risk reduction, hmm. right? You're putting your heart through an elevated rate for a sustained period of time. Hmm. Um, you know, and we talk about that akin to like backcountry ski touring. Uh, we can talk about that with like road cycling, just any type of endurance athlete, they're going to benefit from sauna. And I think it's largely because they're probably increasing red, red blood cell count as they're building up circulation. And that's having a benefit to them being able to sustain higher output at a more um, sustained higher uh, heart rate mm. in their in their events, in their, in their activities. So, you know, those are some of the things that I see and I feel. And I continue to see gains as, as a result of my of my frequency with sauna. So I try not to cheat on it, to be fair. I try not to cheat on the gym. I try not to cheat on the sauna because I do see that if you stick with it, you, the results are fairly profound. And, you know, I, like a lot of my friends, are going through middle age transformation, body hurts, you know, case in that jump 10 years ago is starting to kind of hurt. Mm -hmm. And we need to find these, th these like outlets where we can, you know, bring the body back to life a bit and... This has been one. So for how long have you been on the four day a week program, minimum 30 minutes a session? Since January last year. Okay. And so we're recording this mid-January. So it's been about a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And prior to like the most sustained duration I would have would be like every day for like a week. You know, like if I'm in a hut, it'd be like every night I would make time for the sauna. But that might be one week a year, a couple weeks a year or something like that. Totally. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Never really had the the, uh, the access mm -hmm. um, to increase the frequency like I have today. And, 
yeah, the driving factor for me with building a sauna at the home was because we're fortunate to have a home that backs up to a creek, a spring-fed creek, which runs year-round. And there's a huge hillside that goes down to that creek. So I was inspired by Kai and Abba's scene where they had these like subterranean little dwellings where all you'd see is the front door and it was a sauna in there. And then they had the river in Pemberton there to like, you know, cool down. And I was like, okay, like that's, that's ultimately like substituting the, the snow, the, the, that experience I first got exposed to with sauna. And so when we picked up this pad and I saw that hillside and it was a decrepit terrace and I knew that was all going to have to be reconstructed anyhow, I was like, with access to that creek, we could maybe build one of those like cave sauna vibes. You build a sauna cave? It's a cave, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, it, to an extent, like it's up, it's out of the ground by like three feet and then it has a front door that's obviously fully exposed. You don't have to crawl into a hole. And it's, it's important to have that like, you know, partial uh, above ground access so that you can run draft through it, right? Because you want to be able to pull cold air through the room. Um, the heat will, will naturally pull the outdoor air into the room. And then the heat obviously is pushing to the ceiling. And so you kind of put your, your cold air return down low by the heater and you, and and then the exit is up high, kind of in the back of the room. And so you do want to have, you know, some type of airflow and then glass, of course. So you can just kind of make it feel like the room's a little bit less claustrophobic. My wife struggles with some of the tightness in that respect. So Mm -hmm. being mindful of that, but, but yeah, it is. And then, so the 30 minutes is kind of the tipping point for me. And then I go and I, and I, I get into a Creek and there's like a whole, there's a whole nother side of the, of the wellness, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to uphold the, the cold therapy side of it. Yeah. So like a lot of people are converting freezers and stuff to cold plunges at their home. I, I mean, and I'm a glutton for punishment as I've gotten, you know, more into this. I, I'm, I'm cool with the exposure. Um, and I still need to get my body up to temperature before I can get into that Creek. That Creek is, um, a, it's it's cold. It's 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 cold by all standards, and it's pretty uniformly cold um, because it's the spring. And I'll take about thirty minutes, which is like really pushing me to the extent that I'm comfortable at the temperatures that I prefer. And then I go in the creek for about three minutes. And then as I exit that creek, like I get this crazy euphoric rush. And um, to be totally fair, like it's totally like. Um, <laughs> It's totally like overcome my my interest in like sedatives and stuff. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke. I'm told. I mean, obviously, I live in Utah, so I'm just a classic sober Utah guy now. But <laughs> it's it's not for the reasons a lot of other people. It's not for reasons my neighbor's sober. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like I get my high off of doing that. You know, and it's it's a pretty good punt. To be fair, like you go down there and you're kind of wound up from the day, and you're like, okay, like calming down into the sauna. And, start going through that process where you start to perspire and um and then you go out to the cold and the colds are like a, a really really interesting uh compliment to when you get your body up to that kind of extreme heat and um i've seen like crazy reduction in inflammation as a result of that mm. so i've had some complicated knee mm-hmm. surgeries over the years just being you know six foot plus and choosing slope style as my right. as my professional discipline right. <laughs> uh, should have been um, many other things besides the freestyle skier but uh, so be it that was the path and so my knees took a beating and um, the cold therapy is is remarkable for driving inflammation out of the joints and it's bearable largely because of the exposure to the heat and so um, in addition I think once like the body kind of like 
you know, like the cold water immersion, it activates that like parasympathetic nervous system, you know, which is, it controls the body to relax, right? You have the sympathetic nervous system, which creates the stress and then the parasympathetic that reduces the stress. And once you can get the body to like overcome, like become comfortable after that initial shock, everything slows way down and it allows the mind to kind of like kind of regroup a little bit. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like you get some pretty extreme mental clarity from cold exposure like that. It's, it's very rapid, but the, the results are sustained. So if it's like a big day ahead of me, like I'll set the alarm, the, the timer, which we, I'm sure we'll get to in the build out, but I'll set, I'll set the sauna off at like 6am and I'll go down there for a half hour before I even start the day. And it just kind of like sets you up, you know, and I would like, I would put that in the same bucket as like a Dawn Patrol ski tour, you know, where like you get like 45 minutes up, 15 down, then head to the office. And it's like, wow, whatever like gets thrown at me today, like I can take it, mm-hmm. you know, because I've like, I've been in a mental space already today that allows for it. So I, I can get, I can kind of cheat that experience if I don't have time or if we're out of season to go skiing before work to like go down there, you know, jam on the sauna for a sec and take a splash. And then I'm like ready to rock. So I feel like you've tricked me. I thought we were talking about saunas and like hot temps. Mm-hmm. And then you snuck in this whole cold plunge thing. Do you know what I hate yeah. more than anything in the world? Cold water. I do not mind <laughs> skiing and dealing with like frigid air temperatures and getting snowed on and all that. But like even a tepid yeah. swimming pool, like tepid, I'm like freaking out. I do not like that stuff. And so I thought we were going to be talking about, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, let's do some fake fevers and all that. There's great health benefits. And then you tricked <laughs> me, and now we're talking about cold plunges. Well, it, it's, it comes as a benefit to the sauna. Like, you get yourself, like, piping hot. I mean, you, your body, need, like, it's like, get me out of here, right? Like, that's the extreme exposure that we were talking about. So what better way to shut it down than to expose it to some cold, cold water? You know, like, cold air, sure, that helps. Snow? wonderful you know but how frequent do we have snow to go jump in out, out of our sauna like that's a pretty rare occurrence you need to be in a backcountry lodge setting really for that to be practical so obviously there's a huge movement towards cold plunging in the morning people run out of bed and like cracking ice off of a barrel and then crawling in for four minutes and acting like that's normal that is not normal that is like super extreme and i don't know how you would get your core temp back up to be fair throughout the rest of the day i i i've two would be very nervous about that as like, if I were to be encouraging you to do that, like I would take some responsibility for your shivers. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, to go and, and subject yourself to a prolonged period of high temperature sauna um, to then cool down, like it's a great like extinguishing uh, mm-hmm. sensation that helps bring equilibrium back. And I think it kind of mentally calibrates you. Um, and certainly like, with joints and all that stuff, like the inflammation is phenomenal. The flush of both. It's, cr- it's, both. it's really, really remarkable. Hot yeah, to totally. cold. That's yeah. what totally. is good for inflammation. Totally. Not just, not just heat on its own, not just saunas on its own. Well, you know, think about the sauna, right? You got your heart pumping, right? So your body is just like pushing fluid and that's always going to help inflammation as well. Uh-huh. Um, but when you, when you drop it to the cold temp, there's like a massive response. Um, and it's, it's chilling for sure, but it's superficially chilling because your core is so warm. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't go in and like in three minutes, cool your core to that extent. Right. So you know that it's just the skin, it's the muscular structure. Um, once you get control of your respiratory system, um, 
you can you can you can withstand the cold for quite some time there's all kinds of you know wim hof stories of um really long prolonged prolonged exposure that uh is is wild to think about mm-hmm. but um yeah once you can control your breathing you can take on a lot and i do it just to kind of help you know uh like i said kind of reach an equilibrium if you will with with the intense heat so yeah again that could be made you know um uh possible by having access to open water and or you know building a uh a cold plunge or my driveway so, right now um yeah i think you know um you need if, if if something like this is interesting to you you it's really important to think about the convenience of being able to have that be a part of your your routine it's overwhelming to like try to make it be something that's really time consuming to have to go out and start the fire mm-hmm. um who's got time for that you know it's i think that's partly why there's such a hot tub culture uh is because you just pull the lid back and you're at 104 and you're like psyched you know and it goes pretty quick but it's a totally different form of therapy. Yeah, like it's great to get your body up to that temperature and it does like help um, muscular recovery and stuff like that, but you're not getting that same response like you are with sauna. And so how, do, how can you make it convenient? You know, and I think that's, that's maybe a, a fun thing to talk about a little bit because I've been able to make it extremely convenient for myself and that allows for that routine because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of extra time right. that I make for this. Well, wait. Let's, I want to get into that. I want to get into what you learned yeah. in your research, building your own thing. I also, can we get pictures of your sauna cave? Is that the official term, sauna totally. cave? Okay, I need, we're going to need to- that's what, that's what I call it. But back for a second, hot tub versus sauna. How much do you actually know about the shared benefits versus here's where they really separate themselves? Scientifically, not well. I couldn't, I couldn't articulate to the degree that I could scientifically speak to um, the pros and cons of either. Or I've got a buddy I was just down in uh, Southern California with who has a hot tub right outside his master at their home, and he's out there every evening. He lives in a really cool, a really like cool air climate and um, geography. You know, he could he could tell me at the time that we were both hot tubbing together at this resort to what degree the temperature of the water was and he would have a preference to what temperature he likes. And he was super in tune with it. And I was just like nervous Nelly that's in and out, in and out of the water, like sitting on the stairs as you step into this hot tub, like in the, in the tub, I'm on the rim of the tub, I'm walking around the tub. I mean, I just could not find comfort in it. And he was able to stabilize, you know, like <laughs> above the navel for like a long period of time. And I was like, that's your condition for it. I don't have that conditioning. I am conditioned for sauna, but I'm not conditioned for tubbing. And quite frankly, like I don't, I did not feel the same health response from it. We did some road cycling that day and um, yeah, my legs felt pretty good the next day for sure, but it was a different form of recovery than what I'm used to. So yeah, personally, I can just say that my body likes sauna more than hot tubbing. I think some people can, can soak um, and some people just get a little bit, you know, uh, anxious to get out. Let's talk about, as you were saying, like, how do we make this? realistic something at the house how expensive is this stuff let's get into some of the brass tacks of this the first thing you need to, the first thing you need to determine is how big do you want your sauna to be um the largest personal sauna um dimension that i would advise would be imperially seven foot by seven foot by seven foot right so seven deep seven wide seven tall so your structure's theoretically like eight by eight cube 
Um, and that's just the room itself. And that's going to require, you know, a, that for me is it, it proved to be requiring the largest single phase electric heater you can buy. And now there's something to be known about electric, right? Single phase versus three phase. Um, single phase is what we all have at our homes. Three phase is three transistors on the pole, which are much more traditional for like commercial buildings. Um, so most times you're not going to have a house wired to three phase. So if you go larger than seven by seven by seven, thinking it'd be cool to like convert a whole bedroom into a sauna, you're not going to be able to pull it off. Huh. You, you won't have access to the power that's going to be required to heat the room. So, you know, let that be known. Um, you don't want a huge sauna room. Smaller is better. Um, because it'll just be more efficient. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing, kind of what size sauna you want to be. And then the second one is like, do you want it to be inside or outside the house? Because you can easily convert a small utility room in your home to sauna if you want. I've got a friend I'm helping do that with right now. And it's, it has an outdoor access door, but it was kind of like a shed that was just built into the house that lives between two rooms, living room and a bedroom, that backs into a utility closet. So it was just kind of a interesting little room that was in their home that opens to the outside that we're working on converting to a sauna. Hmm. The only way you'll be getting in and out of it is from outside the home, but it is part of the interior structure of the home. Hmm. So what we're doing is we're venting that room to start with a vent down low by the door, which oftentimes is the case. If the sauna room is inside the home, there's no shame in leaving a, a like a, a an inch gap from the floor to the bottom, like the threshold of the doorway to the bottom of the door, as that allows cool draft in. Hmm. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to vent his, his ceiling back out. So, um, if you're going outside, um, there's a little bit more flexibility with how you can configure the room. And if you wanted to do a traditional sauna where you're adding moisture to the room, um, clearly you're going to probably prefer to be, uh, building out your sauna as an exterior building. Yeah. Um, and so let's say we're going to go for like a, a moderate size sauna, right? Maybe like a, a six foot room square, not the biggest, not the smallest. And we're going to do it outside the house and electric or stove. I, I, it really depends on where you live. If it's a rural setting where you're burning solids pretty regularly, part, partly is just the way that which you heat your home. Uh, it could work for you, right? Because you you have that resource available to you, right? You already have the firewood. You're already a fire shaman. You know what you're doing, right? You can start, you can start a fire with with very little. Um, maybe that's a good thing, right? But it's going to rob you of the convenience a little bit because you have to go set that fire. And I'll just pause there and say that a wood burning stove sauna is it's an incredible amount of heat. Um, it's sometimes tough to control, mm -hmm. but when you get them going. It is unbelievable how strong that heat can be. It's just different than electric heat. It's really phenomenal. So uh, whether you choose to go wood or electric, you still need to experience some wood burning stove sauna hmm. from time to time in your life because it's just a different level hmm. of heat. But let's say, okay, we're outside the house, six by six cube. Cool. We're going to do electric. You know, the cool thing about sauna is that you don't necessarily have to subscribe to buying only a sauna kit. And this is something where as someone who built a sauna, DIY, I became like wildly targeted with Google and made and meta to like buy these like, oh, like check out this kit. It's only 10 grand or whatever. You're like, cool. And then you start adding things to it. And before you know, it, it's a $20,000 kit and you're like, what? And this thing, it's not like it's an erector set. Like you got to put it together. Yeah. 
you know, you still going to require a lot of craftsmanship. So, um, listening to a podcast about sauna, um, I heard this group talk about how it's really nice and convenient to just tap into non-sauna specific industries. So like, think about like, um, the, like the, the prefabricated sheds, yep. for example, yep. um, we see those at like, you know, our home depots and mm-hmm. stuff, but like, there's companies that you get on their schedule one day they'll pour the slab. The next day your shed is done and they're knocking these sheds out. And so you could build a super quick external shed that's plumbed with power and water on a concrete slab for probably no more than five grand. Hmm. And because they're doing them all day long and there's demand. And so there's okay. competition and, you know, margins are probably lean because of that. Comp- wait, wait, there's competition specifically for these home shed saunas. Or just, no, uh, sheds in general, but that have a poured concrete floor to them. Totally. Yeah, I think it's the the nature that homeowners are often seeking needs of an exterior building that they can use as a shed. Okay. Right? They could, they could, stow, they could stow their lawnmower. They could put their, their patio furniture in it. And so there's all kinds of local businesses anywhere you live that are erecting these prefabricated sheds. And they get put up in about a day or two's time because they got three of them a day to do. And so the cost is pretty manageable. Um, You know, a small square shed with a pitch roof would be around five grand, you know. Um, So it's not a huge lift financially to get that set up if you have the acreage to allow for it. And then you can just start to focus on the interior, right? Because it's going to have all the exteriors. It's going to be open framing. So obviously you're going to insulate just like you would insulate any house with whatever type of bat um, insulation like I used was perfectly suitable. And then you face the interior of the framing with a tin, like with a foil film. And this is pretty cool. It's, uh, it's got a little bit more substance than like tin foil, but it kind of ends up resulting in the same aesthetic. And you actually use like uh, HVAC tape that's uh, aluminum tape to seal all the seams. Because you don't want, if you're adding moisture to the room, you don't want that moisture to be penetrating into your framing. Mm. So you see all that up nice and tight with this like reflective foil film that you can buy with, you know, pretty easily in bulk from any sauna, sauna wholesaler. And then from there, yeah, you just start to assemble your interior. And, you know, if it's, if it's an interior sauna and you got really like beautiful glass door and you walk by it all the time. Maybe you would opt for the, like the clear cedar wood for the for the lining of your sauna so that like you don't see any imperfections and it's super uniform. For me, it's an exterior sauna. Um, most of the time I'm entering and exiting during like dim, dim lit hours, you know, where there's really no external light source. So uh, I just, I, I source some local tongue and groove, um, you know, cedar that was sourced out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I live in Salt Lake City. So a few hours drive north mm-hmm. uh, was where they were harvesting the cedar. And, you know, yeah, maybe you pull some of the board foot and you clean up some certain sections, depending on how you intend to use it. Uh, if there's a really big, like, you know, uh, broken out knot, okay, maybe you cut the board there. Obviously, you need to buy a certain amount of overage to accommodate for imperfections and stuff like that within the, within the material. But don't get too tripped up on the, on the clear cedar uh, because the board foot cost is ridiculous. And... Um, you know, just think about all the wood that got wasted trying to arrive to that clear cedar <laughs> unit of material. Um, 
I, I sometimes think about how much waste was created trying to make this material. So I found really good results just using the, the clean side or the sanded side of tongue and groove cedar mm. as the interior. And then going electric, I, I chose to use um, a brand Harvia, which as I understand it is kind of like a, kind of like the black label of Finlandia. So they have two different identities, but I think they are the same company, mm. like a Lexus Toyota type of scenario. Really good value. I, I got the largest single phase heater I could buy because my room is seven by seven by seven. And so it's 10.5 kilowatts and the heater costs like 2,300 bucks. So it wasn't the most expensive thing by any means. Um, there was other complications with building the sauna that required a, a greater spend than what I would consider to be appropriate, given the nature that it was a hundred and odd, a hundred odd feet away from the home. Um, mm -hmm. And I also ran culinary water out to the building. So that's something too that can be nice, especially if you don't have access to fresh uh, to like a fresh water source. Is that in and alongside the high voltage conduit of electrical that I ran from the home to the sauna, I, I ran in parallel also a conduit that I ran a water line from the home, and so I was able to put that water line into the sauna to serve as like an outdoor rain head shower. And so after the sauna, you can go outside and pull a ring, and now you have cold culinary water. Um, so for guests who are not as adventurous as others who want to jump in the Creek, um, it provides an immediate cooling benefit that huh. essentially does the same thing. I just think it's cooler to submerge yourself in fresh water, but, um, you know, the, the shower is a nice added perk for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole heater bit and all that, um, is really, um, convenient because the, uh, controller came with a Wi-Fi chip in it. So, um, due to the nature of the distance from the house to the sauna, I had to put a little Wi-Fi booster in the yard, um, which is just simply running a ethernet line out, um, some distance off the house, which can be complicated in its own way, depending on how your ethernet is servicing the home. But nevertheless, just, you want to create a little bit more band, um, range, um, for, for a broadband or whatever it is that, uh, services the ethernet, but then you have direct connectivity to your sauna heater with an app on your phone. And for me, that's been the probably the biggest thing um, not to overlook. And, and there's more and more heater manufacturers today coming to market with Wi-Fi controllers. And I definitely encourage anyone who's seriously considering sauna to like think about how you can interact with that sauna heater. Because like, you know, yesterday or whatever, we're skiing, backcountry skiing up Big Cottonwood. We get to the van. I know it's going to take about 30 minutes to get home. Turn the sauna on from the parking lot of Big Cottonwood, you know? And we come home, de-gear, and walk right into the sauna, and it's at, like, full temp. That makes it, like, so approachable. Mm -hmm. And so I can't emphasize enough, like, the sauna heater that you go with, really think strategically about can you interact with that remotely? Because you're not asking someone at the house to, like, run down and start the heater, or you're having to, like, go tend to making a fire and all that. So to be able to uphold the frequency that I have... Um, it's been able, it's been enabled only because of being able to be remotely connected to it. So, and then you can also set a timer. And so without that capacity, from the time you turn it on and you're trying to get to roughly, give me, throw out a temperature, you're roughly for a, somebody who's not, you know, maybe not a sauna shaman, but for, you know, us, us mere mortals, we might be trying to reach a temperature <laughs> of about what, and then you would say, for the kind of square footage of a sauna that you're describing here, six by six foot, mm -hmm. maximum seven by seven, 
How long has it taken this thing to heat up? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So the manuals and all that, they'll talk about an appropriate sauna temperature of around 170 degrees Fahrenheit. So 170 in centigrade. That's for, for me, for example, I like to run about 190. Um, 200 is kind of like unbelievable. Uh, most people don't run 200, but with a wood burning stove, you can definitely hit 200 on occasion. Mm. Um, you just won't even know it. It just goes there. Mm. Um, and that like pushes you to like 85, 90, 95 centigrade. Um, so that's, 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 that's cooking, right? I mean, you don't want to be in that for too long without some type of cool down, but everybody has their own, their own vibe. And depending on how tall your sauna roof is, which they recommend no taller than seven feet, um, you know, you'll have different tier seating. So you can have like an upper bench and a lower bench and you see a pretty significant temperature gradient based on where you are in relation to the ceiling of the room. So it's important to have a couple different tiered seats inside the sauna room so that you can use that as a way to calibrate your exposure. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, I would say on average 45 minutes wow. with an electric sauna, um, with an electric heater uh, for an adequately sized room is appropriate. Just because you get a big heater in a small room it doesn't necessarily correlate yeah. to heating up faster, for example. And so, yeah, I would say about 45 minutes is, is a good general range to get that thing up to temperature. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about by the time it's all set up and totally done and ready to, you know, go in and become a human baked potato. Um, it's about 10 grand, <laughs> right? 10 grand is kind of the over under on this. I would, I would say absolutely. Um, you can get your building built for around five grand. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, with that, you're probably going to be another 10 to like another fully okay. interior, interior line with the cedar, get a, a door from a reputable sauna, um, manufacturer. Cause you want tempered glass. That's an important thing. Tempered glass. Um, and, and then all the cedar and then the heater and the insulation of the heater. So, um, uh, I found that with the installation of my heater, they actually will not uphold the warranty if you do not have a licensed electrician install it for you. Uh -huh. So that was kind of cool um, and kind of expensive uh -huh. at the same time. Uh -huh. um, but again, I, I was like 100 feet away from the home, yeah. right? So there's a lot of other things in play with that um, that kind of made it more, more expensive. But uh, yeah, I would say... The sauna itself, if the structure exists, you're probably 10 grand, um, which but, isn't but wait, wait, a, like but a wait, terribly a lot of money. But maybe more actually, realistically, it actually, you just said five grand for the exterior, more like 10 grand for the interior. So you're actually putting, I'm just, mm -hmm. just trying to get a sense. I don't know anything, but this yeah. for people listening, it's probably actually more like 15 K by the time you're actually yeah. walking in to start your euphoric sober lifestyle i agree yeah if you are gonna move you know uh, a piece of landscaping in your in your yard and, and and instead place a sauna there like you can buy a barrel sauna for example from costco and put some paver rocks down um yeah like there's ways to do it more economically but the way that i would advise would be to likely build a prefab like to buy a prefabricated structure put it on a slab, run underground power out to it from the home. I would even dedicate some culinary if you have access to some water lines. So then you have like essentially like an RV hookup mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Like you go to like a, like you go to a campground, like here's a concrete slab you can park your RV on. Here's the, here's the water spigot and there's the power. Like, I think it would take about, you know, five grand or so to get that set up. And then, yeah, it would take you, you know, uh, approximately $10,000 to build out the interior with the cedar and install the heater. Hmm. And I don't know, I haven't, I've only priced out like, you know, what a, what a hot tub spa would cost. Hmm. Um, they need the same power, right? They need a 240 volt on the outside of the house. Um, and then they need some type of slab, right? Cause you don't want that thing to come out of, out of level. And then, yeah, obviously the spa itself and then the upkeep with the chemicals. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's like wildly more expensive yeah. to be fair. And, and I, and I don't really consider it to be like this or that. Yeah. It's like a totally different form of wellness. Yeah. And as, as, as we are like, and why I think it's an appropriate conversation to have with you, Jonathan, because I've heard you talk about coffee and, and I've heard you talk about a lot of things that are part of our peripheral lifestyle as skiers. I have just come to find extreme enthusiasm around sauna because it's like we were taking wind to the chin a couple of days back. Mm -hmm. And I was just like telling my partner, just think about it. We're going to turn that sauna when we get to the parking lot. And like, it just helps you keep moving, yeah. you know, cause you know that like you're going to be to a state of like extreme heat, you know, in, in a matter of hours. And I don't know, I, I kind of, I kind of get psyched on that a little bit. And, um, I mean, it, and this like goes like, I mean, I've been thinking about sauna forever. And I remember I was driving some people at the blister summit last year, uh, up to the snodgrass trailhead. And I was just pounding everybody in, you know, like, Hey, you hop in the van, let's go touring. And, they're like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, oh, I'm listening to a sauna podcast. They're like, turn it up. This is really interesting. Huh. <laughs> and it was like, it was talking about like, you know, and you can't quote me on this, but like, it was talking about how the Finns have, have upheld the, um, you know, the tradition or the routine of sauna the culture. Um, throughout their, the entirety of their life. Yeah. Their culture. And like, you, like apparently like you go to like a Finnish like um, state park or, or land preserve and there's like like sauna bathhouses mm. at the campground like we have like pavilions and vault toilets and they have like sauna bathhouses like mm. that's tradition think about like how different that would be like we all go like camping you know and like <laughs> there's a sauna house mm -hmm. you know and everybody who's camping out there is like gonna make rounds in it it's just it's pretty cool i saw that um the is i think it's called ruka it's a really like well-known finnish ski area mm. and they just um announced uh, that they've either raised some capital or dedicated a certain significant amount of money to building a mid-mountain sauna restaurant at the ski area. Wow. Yeah. It is sick. <laughs> like the way that they have the architecture is so rad. Like, you know, it's one thing to be like on a sun deck, you know, and like a, a, a lounge chair, but it's a whole nother deal to be like looking through the glass of like a really nice sauna and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's tied into a restaurant. It has this beautiful sun terrace. And I was like, people paying like <laughs> for lift service ride up to go sauna and bathe at a restaurant. I'm like, like how many hours in the day are there to like actually get the skiing in as well? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool. It's like that hit the news like within the month or so of like how sauna is like starting to interface with skiing. I mean, you have all the onsens and stuff and japan and like yeah. that's not wildly that different yeah and so yeah it's just all like a form of therapy for cold winter sport activities mm -hmm. so i thought it'd be fun to talk about mm -hmm. here given the 
the family of blister and, and how we sometimes find ourselves in extreme cold temperatures, uh, especially those living in Crested Butte. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes cold, sometimes powdery, uh, powdery at the moment. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. I figure you have to go literally jump in a lake or something here, you know, this evening, but, uh, I, it, it, you've, you've actually got me now really curious about the infrared saunas. And I would love mm -hmm. to now learn how similar or different, how, you know, how effective, less effective, maybe they're just kind of, they should be thought of as two different things entirely. Because, um, I don't know, it strikes me that building out an infrared sauna might actually be maybe a little bit cheaper, doesn't have the same sure. power demands. And so like, if it's like, oh yeah, science is showing that it's about as effective or just effective in completely different ways or something. I do come to the end of this conversation quite intrigued. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like where I live. I don't. I have a very, very tiny, my, my house literally mm -hmm. backs up. I'm like three, I've got three feet and then I'm on, I back up to ranch land. So I have in the summer, like 200 cows as my neighbor. But so I'm like, I don't think I could pull something like this off in the backyard. I don't, doing the house thing sounds tricky, but I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to now go down the road of infrared. And if it's like, oh, I can get all those benefits, but. I have no idea, actually. So I, I don't know. I guess the learning curve continues here. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more you, more you look into it, the more you discover that there's a lot to it and there's, there's alternative options. And I know that for certain the infrared um, is a lot more turnkey for residential, like mm -hmm. plug and play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think for your setting, you know, having, you know, been invited over in the past, uh, I think you'd be a great candidate huh. for an infrared setup. You know, just the thing that comes um, with a more traditional sauna or like a more, um, you know, elaborate build out mm -hmm. for me is the social components. Yes. And, and that sounds awesome. Know, as I've gotten older, yeah, as I've gotten older, you know, we're not going out to the bars. Mm -hmm. You know, we know our friends from the type of goggles they wear in the lift line um, or the type of trucks they drive at the trailhead. So it's, it's sometimes becoming more and more difficult to get quality time with friends to just shoot the shit. And the sauna provides a great setting for that. Mm -hmm. So for that, I feel very grateful that a lot of my peers are like, yo, you want a sauna tonight? And I'm like, I love that I have something to draw my friends over huh. so that we could just spend an hour just shooting the breeze, yeah. you know? And, um, and so there's that, there's that side of it too, that, that shouldn't be overlooked, but. Certainly, I think the health benefits are significant enough to consider however sauna could be um, feasible in your lifestyle. Huh. Um, I, I can, now with a year in, I can say wholeheartedly, it has changed my life and it is um, positively affecting those around me as well. Hmm. So uh, feel grateful to be able to talk about it with you tonight, Jonathan. Yeah, man. No, this is super interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you hit me up. It was yeah. um, really not on my radar. And I love the kind of origin story. I love that Hoji, we kind of have Ho Hoji to thank or blame for this. Um, but also hearing about Abma's setup and the rest, that kind of all checks out. And um, no, very interesting. And I, I certainly, these things are more and more, I think, just in kind of the popular culture. The 
benefits of cold plunges, the benefits of heat exposure and, and the like. And so I think there is certainly something for somebody as frankly kind of ignorant as myself on these things, you certainly have done a good job of sort of um, nudging for like, hey, there are real reasons why, first of all, this has been around for, I don't know, many hundreds of years, Yeah. Um, but that, that you too are just testifying to the kind of exp- the uh, benefits you've personally felt for it. Pretty, pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. There's a huge rabbit hole to go down <laughs> and the, the Finnish uh, culture data is, is really um, incredible because they have full lifetime evaluation of how sauna has affected people and um, being able to almost eradicate uh, term life-threatening mental disease based on exposure and frequency of sauna. Wow. Some crazy correlations um, that, that speak to the dramatic health benefits of it that I'm not qualified to speak about, but are certainly out there huh. and quite intriguing. So, yeah, it's cool, dude. I, I, I encourage you and the listeners to continue to pursue research to see if this makes sense and, and how to make it convenient so that you can not only experience it, but try to make it implement a way that it's convenient and that you can do it regularly. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Um, thanks for sharing. And uh, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up on this. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of questions come in from folks on this. Uh, but to be continued, I guess that's what we'll say for now. Yeah. And I'll make sure you uh, make some time to sauna on your next pass through Utah. Okay. I'll take you up on that. I'll come. I want to come hang out in the sauna cave. Yeah, yeah I'll shoot you some pics too for the for the listeners okay. who want to check it out. Sounds good, man. Hey, appreciate the time. Talk to you soon. My bad. All right. See you later, brother. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to Matt for the conversation. And we will include in the show notes of this episode on our website a number of gorgeous photos uh, that Matt has shared with us. You know, coming into this, I thought this would be another amateur hour episode. But once you see the photos of what Matt has built at his house, it's impressive. I can't in good faith still label this as an amateur hour episode. Anyway, check it out for yourself and let us know. Feel free to ask any questions or anything like that. I'm curious if Matt is going to get some of us also joining him down this sauna rabbit hole. Anyway, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks, of course, to you for listening. And on that note, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. We will talk to you again real soon.